Hello, and welcome to episode one of our three series, Primary Care Clinician Podcast. My name is Dr. Pamela Kushner, and I'm a family physician based out of a private practice in Los Angeles, California, and a clinical professor at the University of California Irvine Medical Center in Orange County. I'm also a past California representative to the American Academy of Family Physicians. I'm going to turn this over to our expert and guest, Dr. Sonali Advani, for an introduction. Go ahead, Sonali. Thank you for having me on this podcast series. My name is Dr. Sonali Advani, and I'm an infectious disease physician and an assistant professor of medicine at Duke University School of Medicine in Durham, North Carolina. I have extensive research and clinical experience in the diagnosis and management of urinary tract infections and serve on several national and regional committees related to infection prevention and antibiotic stewardship. I'm very excited to share the evidence around management of urinary tract infections over the course of three podcast episodes. Thank you for having me, Pam. Well, thank you for being here, Sonali. On this episode, we're going to cover a wide variety of topics, including how you manage an uncomplicated urinary tract infection. And you're going to find it might not be as simple as one first considers. We're also going to address when an uncomplicated urinary tract infection becomes complicated, when it is considered recurrent, and share with you some of the clinical pearls of managing recurrent urinary tract infections. Next, we're going to touch on prevention measures and patient education and what this whole thing boils down to, the patient and clinician relationship, which is just so important in healthcare. You're gonna be able to gain insight to the patient journey and expectations. And I know that you're gonna learn from our discussion of some patient cases throughout the episodes as Sonali chimes in with her expertise on all of these exciting topics of discussion. So for today's episode, we will start the series by describing how the current landscape of uncomplicated UTIs has become increasingly complex with diagnostic and treatment challenges. We will discuss some areas of controversy and gray areas that are making treating these uncomplicated UTIs not so straightforward. To begin, let's review our definitions. What key factors are used to define what makes up an uncomplicated urinary tract infection? Well, there are several important things to consider. The clinical picture of the patient, the classical and non-classical signs and symptoms. But we should note that there are many different organizations that hold their own criteria. Unfortunately, some clinical practice guidelines have not received an update for over a decade. The criteria that each guideline uses to define uncomplicated urinary tract infection can differ slightly. This is a crucial step to establish clear diagnoses in clinical practice. But we do know that the IDSA, the Infectious Disease Society of America guidelines, are actively being revised and we look forward to them being released. So what more can you tell us on the available guidance, Sonali? So we do have some guidance from the IDSA, as well as from the American Urologic Association and Canadian Urologic Association that helps us differentiate between an uncomplicated and complicated UTIs. As you alluded to earlier, definitions have implications for diagnosis and management, which is why this discussion is so important. Absolutely, Sonali. 
The IDSA takes a broad stance by defining an uncomplicated UTI patient as a non-pregnant woman who does not display any anatomical or urological abnormalities. Guidelines do go into more detail, including mapping out key factors, such as the presence of an anatomical or functional abnormality. Thank you for bringing that up, Pam. Um, just for clarity, we won't be going into those specific points today, um, and our viewers can refer to the IDSA and the AUA guidelines for specific details, but we will delve into those details in our future podcast ep episodes. That is correct, Sonali, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. So now let's move on to our first topic of the day, which is a discussion on diagnostics. One point that is not addressed by traditional clinical practice guidelines is the necessity of a urine culture or urinalysis in the setting of an uncomplicated UTI. In health systems, diagnostic guidance is driven by policy, electronic order sets, hospital protocols, and decision-making. However, in the community setting, it falls on the treating physician to determine what's best for the patient. In certain cases, ordering these tests may be considered inappropriate or unnecessary, or maybe there's a financial concern for the patient, which there often is. Let's examine some patient cases now in which we address the appropriateness of diagnostic assessment of UTI in the community setting. Excellent. But before diving into our first patient case, I would like to propose a question for our listeners. Is a urine culture routinely needed for diagnosis of uncomplicated UTIs? Great question, Sonali. Let's hear the first case. The patient, FJ, is a 67-year-old female with no prior history of UTI who presented to the clinic with urinary frequency and dysuria, which had been increasing in intensity over a two-week period. She reports no suprapubic tenderness, back pain, or systemic signs of infection such as fever, nausea, or vomiting. Since the patient had reported never experiencing UTI, a gradual onset with a current presentation and a simultaneous bout of food poisoning diarrhea, the attending physician decided to order a urinalysis and urine culture. At this time, the urine culture grew greater than 100,000 CFU of E. coli sensitive to nitrofuron antibodies. The physician assured her to continue taking the nitrofuron and advised her that it might take time to begin working. However, at day four, she developed a low-grade fever without improvement in dysuria and frequency. At this stage, the physician ordered another urine culture and prescribed a fluoroquinolone. Once the patient resumed treatment, she noticed improvement in symptoms. At the end of her therapy follow-up visit, the physician requested to perform a GU examination where significant atrophic vaginitis was discovered and the patient was prescribed vaginal estrogen. Symptoms had resolved, so urine culture was not repeated at the end of therapy. Thank you for sharing that case, Pam. That was very interesting. Thank you. In this case, the physician is faced with assessing a seemingly resistant bacteria and potential anatomical abnormalities that may have contributed to the condition. And so this begs the following questions. Were the urine cultures sent at the right time? Was the fluoroquinolone an appropriate starting therapy based on the nitrofuran performance? In general, how long after antibiotic administration should a patient begin to feel better? 
And was the length of the treatment appropriate? Further, UpToDate says that using a fluoroquinolone again within three months for a prior UTI increases multi-drug resistance risk. What do we start with if she gets another UTI within a few months? Sonali, if we can get your thoughts, what do you think is the most appropriate management of this patient? Well, I think if we should return to your earlier question and consider if a urine culture was even needed for the workup of an uncomplicated UTI in a patient without a history of recurrent UTIs and no history of multidrug resistant organisms, my first thought would be, was it necessary to get a urine culture? If we knew that this patient has symptoms of a UTI, no complicating factors, had no contraindications for first line therapy, then my thought is that there was no need for a urine culture in this case initially. What you're saying is that in most cases, we would treat with a first-line antibiotic regardless of culture results because a patient is having genital urinary symptoms? Yes, Pam, that's right. We would not want to wait for the urine culture result in order to start treatment in cases of a true UTI, especially since this is not a recurrent UTI. Even in those cases, we would not wait for initiating antibiotics, just like in the case of sepsis. You wouldn't wait to start broad-spectrum antibiotics in a patient with sepsis. The ideal scenario would be to switch to targeted therapy after the results come back. Yes, that makes sense. But if the patient's symptoms are improving, then do you think culturing is a waste of time? If the patient begins to improve on first-line therapy, then there is no need to get a culture again. If the patient is not improving, it can be because of several reasons. It could be because of lack of source control. It may be because of incorrect therapy. It could be because of incorrect dose. And so you want to broaden what, how you think about this. So you want to get a urine analysis, a urine culture, but you also want to think about whether you're missing another infection or if you're missing an anatomic or physiologic abnormality of the urinary tract. I do have a question for you, Sonali. What do you do, how do you define lack of source control? Can you give me an example of that? In some cases, we may not know that the patient has a complicated UTI when they first present to us, they may present with present to us as an um, you know uncomplicated UTI, but they may have either ascending infection or they may have um, an undiagnosed uh, anatomic or physiologic abnormality. And so, if they're failing to improve, um, it might be because they have an ascending infection, which the infection may be moving upwards to the kidney or to their ureters, or they may have some kind of anatomic or physiologic abnormality. And that is what I mean by lack of source control. Um, so you may want to image their kidneys, or you may want to further assess for uh, whether the patient needs more intervention that is beyond antibiotics. So someone might have a renal abscess, or someone might need stenting. And so, um, Sometimes antibiotics alone are not the answer. 
Does that help answer the question further? That definitely does. Thanks for clarifying that, Sonali. That's really good insight. So I'm going to begin the discussion on the next case, which explores potential overtreatment following your analysis results. This case begins with a 25-year-old female, SH, who presented to an urgent care with a two to three day history of dysuria, urinary frequency, urgency, and vaginal discharge. She had a past history of UTI, but no antibiotic use within four months. She's not pregnant. She has a documented beta-lactam allergy. Following the initial visit, the patient was diagnosed with uncomplicated cystitis and was sent home with a prescription for 250 milligram of an oral fluoroquinolone twice daily for seven days. Any thoughts, Sonali? Well, I see that a fluoroquinolone was chosen, but there were potential alternatives to fluoroquinolones that could have been an appropriate choice, I think. I also heard you say that the duration of therapy was seven days. Um, Prescribing can also be inappropriate in this case, since not only the choice, but also duration of therapy is not guideline driven. That's very interesting. Can you go through your thought process here, Sonali, please? Absolutely. Fluoroquinolones are typically reserved for oral step-down therapy for pyelonephritis or if it is a severe infection. Community use of fluoroquinolones in uncomplicated UTIs has been increasing recently. For example, Even though the U.S. Food and Drug Administration recommends avoiding the use of fluoroquinolone antibiotics in uncomplicated UTIs, fluoroquinolones are overprescribed in the ambulatory care setting. As the risk of these serious side effects generally outweighs the benefits for patients with uncomplicated UTIs, the FDA determined that fluoroquinolones should be reserved for use in patients with conditions that have no alternative treatment options. That's a really important point, Sonali. I've seen the fluoroquinolone overuse data, and one of the studies was a 2020 retrospective cohort study that took place in Canada. The investigators took a look at administrative health data from six Canadian provinces, and they identified over 1.5 million women receiving antibiotic treatment for episodes of uncomplicated UTIs, over a span of 10 years. Out of all of the uncomplicated UTIs included in the study, 35.8% of them were initially treated with fluoroquinolones, despite fluoroquinolones not being a first line agent in any major guideline. There's also toxicity concerns that need to be addressed as well. I mean, when we're using fluoroquinolones, many of us are familiar with these. So with this information, I'm gonna ask you your Further thoughts in regards to this patient case? Well, Dr. Kushner, our options in this case would be oral first-line therapy like nitrofuran antibiotics. If local resistance rates are below 20%, then sulfonamide antibiotics are another first-line option. Phosphonic antibiotics are another option, but appear to have inferior efficacy as compared with standard short-course regimens. I believe you said this patient has a documented beta-lactam allergy, so beta-lactams are not an option. In general, beta-lactams are less well-studied and are considered to have inferior efficacy based on some studies. 
Um, if you do consider to use a beta-lactam and if the patient didn't have an allergy, I would recommend involving an ID pharmacist or physician, um, especially to get the dosing correct and to get adequate drug levels. That's an important point because I don't think that many clinicians would think about that. So these two cases present very unique situations where the use of a urine culture and urinalysis are not well-defined in guidelines. And in case two, we explored switching the patient's therapy. How long should one wait before they switch therapies after acquiring a positive urine culture? And in this particular case, Sonali, when should one repeat a culture? That's a great question. In terms of repeating a urine culture, as long as a patient is clinically improving and does not have recurrent symptoms referable to the urinary tract, I would not repeat a urine culture. I just don't see the need. Okay. And what about switching therapies? If a patient is clinically worsening, like we had discussed earlier, I would say repeat your history and a comprehensive physical exam and also get a urine analysis and urine culture at this point. And again, look into source control issues, see if there is another focus of infection, like an anatomic physiologic abnormality, like does this patient have a stone or does this patient have some kind of issue with their urinary flow? Um, then check the antibiotic therapy and dose. In most cases at that point, I will escalate or change therapy at the time of repeating the urine culture. Additionally, this is the time you do want to consult your friendly ID physician. Um, you may even consider admission to the hospital if there is concern for pyelonephritis or sepsis. You're suggesting consulting an ID physician for this type of case that may be more complicated as opposed to a genitourinary specialist. You may have to involve urology as well, depending on the type of case. So if uh, you know your patient has stone disease, or if your patient has some kind of complicated urologic abnormality, you may need to involve a urologist um, or a urogynecologist, depending on the underlying anatomic or physiologic issue. But if there's an ongoing active infection, especially something like pyelonephritis or bacteremic UTI, then involving ID in that acute issue um, or in multi-drug resistant infection involving an infectious disease physician, helping you with that drug dosing and drug choice. Um, and that acute period of time is important. That's very valuable. So let's turn our attention back to case one in which we discussed how anatomical abnormalities may contribute towards nuanced UTI. What other factors are there that we need to consider when we assess anatomical and physiological differences in patients? And Sonali, how do they affect that total clinical picture? So if the patient has an anatomic or physiologic abnormality, like we just talked earlier, like they have a stone or they have some kind of obstruction, we are now dealing with a complicated UTI. So this will change how we treat and manage this patient, mainly because the treatment now requires correction of the underlying abnormality with surgery or intervention. For example, removal of the stone. Now, in this case, the antibiotic choice and duration may change and will change. And in the absence of correcting these abnormalities, these patients will not resolve their current infection and also may have recurrent UTIs. And we will delve into this um, a little bit in, in the following episodes. 
You're totally right, Sonali, and we'll speak about recurrent urinary tract infections then. Now that we've assessed our patient cases and touched on so many valuable aspects of treating this not so simple infection, including complicating factors, when to administer a culture and antibiotic options, it really begs the question, how do we ensure that the treatment we provide our patient is resolving their symptoms, getting rid of their infection and improving their well-being? One common misconception that I see and a question that might not be immediately obvious to ask is, does a recurrent UTI entail failure of treatment of a prior UTI? Where is the line drawn between patient factors that predispose to recurrent UTIs and failing to treat a UTI where symptoms may resolve at first, but reappear in the near future. Our next episode will focus on recurrent UTIs, where we will take a deep dive into recurrent UTIs. Sonali and I will address testing, diagnosis, and treatment of recurrent UTI, as well as risk factors, preventative measures, and so much more. And Sonali, it has been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today. Likewise, Pam, and I'm sure all of our listeners today have had a blast listening to our discussion. Well, please make sure to join us next time where we pick up and where we left off here on our UTI podcast series. Thanks. <laughs>